Thank you all, worship team, man, that's sweet. Let me make a couple of brief announcements. First of all, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thankful that y'all are sharing your morning with us. Uh, if you're looking for a church home, man, I, I hope that you'll uh, have an installment or you have some multiple installments in that, that search, whether it's this church or another church, that you'll give that church a few Sundays to kind of get a sense of who they are and what life is like. Snapshots hardly uh, present the story, so I encourage you to... Uh, visit whether it's with us or another church for a period of time. If it's with us for the season uh, and you're looking and would like more information about who we are, visit that little table on the way out. There'll be somebody manning that table and would like to put a little packet in your hands, trying to capture who we are, what we believe, and uh, trying to get some of that information in front of you. It's probably some questions that you already have. A couple of other uh, announcements. We pray for a, a local church every, uh, ideally every week. Uh, we're praying for Jimmy Vaughn, a pastor of a local church, Authentic Life Fellowship, this morning. Uh, we're also praying for a people group. We are, uh, over the next 100 Sundays, I guess it would be 99 Sundays counting today, praying for the uh, least reached 100 people in the world. So uh, this morning we're praying for the uh, Tajik Afghan, or the Tajik people in Afghanistan. And uh, there are a little more, uh, there are a little over 10 million people there that are completely unreached. So. Um, they speak Dari Persian, which is interesting. It comes from uh, the, the language they speak came from King Darius. So that's a pretty ancient people. Uh, they were forcefully converted to Islam in the 7th century, and they are thoroughly uh, Muslim at this point. So uh, most of them are Sunni Muslims. They faithfully repeat, uh, memorize prayers five times a day, and they are devout. And it is a hard surface, a really hard surface. So as a people, we can pray right here in Greenville, Texas, that the Lord would soften the surface soften the, provide some access, that he would mobilize workers to the far corners to the field uh, to go into a really hard place to the people group at Tajik in Afghanistan. And we're also gonna be praying for uh, just some of our, uh, our educators, those who are serving in, man, what a, what a challenging, challenging position in all of the, whether it's teacher, administration, um, uh, behind the scenes, all of that is just an um, unbelievably challenging field. and. Uh, we want to pray for your energy right now as you're ramping back up and the school year's taking off. We just pray that the Lord would really bless you in this season. And also, uh, I want to just, um, we're going to pray for this. I, I shared this last week uh, about little Jack Ram. Uh, when we have a baby dedication, it's more than just a, a cutesy time where we see a kid and they're smocking and they're cool little sweet little, little outfit, you know, that grandmother made. That's cool and all, but it's so much more than that. It's a time where we as a people say, this is our child. This, this is, you know, there's some that are being raised in my home, but there's some that are being raised in other homes, but they're part of our people. And this little boy, Jack Ram, has a significant um, uh, series of, like, counseling um, sessions that are set up in, in, in August and September. And uh, this family is facing a tremendous expense. And we as a people are going to come about, come about them and really, it's, it's along the lines of many hands make light work. And they have to come up with about $3,500 before the 25th of this month or something like that, something to that effect. So I shared that last Sunday. I'll probably be sharing that this Sunday and next. And I encourage you to participate in that. Many hands make light work. And I, it is a sweet opportunity we're putting in front of our people to come alongside a family, one of our families and one of our little dudes that has a need. So um, you can put a, a, I encourage you that in your offering, you can write on the outside of an envelope, uh, Jack Ram. And that's all you have to do. You can put your regular offer or your regular check in there. Don't write on the, on the memo line. Just write on the envelope, Jack Ram, and that will go toward this family providing for this little guy. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful this morning uh, already that we have had an opportunity to declare in song that we need you every hour. Oh, so true. We are so thankful that you have given us uh, this wonderful gift of song that our hearts can stir, uh, our ears can hear these true things that we're reminding each other about as we declare them back to you. Uh, we are thankful that you created such thing as song, uh, that we have a chance as a people to gather weekly and to just declare musically your greatness. You have already inhabited your praises this morning. Thankful. Lord, we have a few things to bring before you that are burdens for us. Um, 
this little situation or this situation with little Jack Ram, Lord, we uh, uh, lift him up along with um, just other families that are working through challenging health issues and, and um, um, in his case, autism issues. Lord, we just lift him up and put him before you and ask you to come alongside this family, to come, as- come alongside this little boy and uh, to provide for him and his family through your people. Uh, we pray for this this treatment and this counseling, Lord, that it would be something that would be really effective for him that would help him for the rest of his life. Lord, we too want to pray for uh, the Tajik people in Afghanistan. Uh, what, a, what a huge prayer. Um, confessing to you that it almost feels like a waste of time for a little church in Greenville, Texas, to pray for 10 million plus people. And we're thankful that you tell us that it's not. You promise us it's not that we can pray for big things and that you are always at work and that you hear our prayers and that you can soften that surface and that you can send workers to penetrate a hard place with good news. Lord, we just pray that you would do that. We pray that you would be glorified in drawing this people unto you. Lord, too, we want to pray for Jimmy Vaughn. Uh, thankful for the, the chance to lift him up this morning and to lift up another church. Uh, what a what an awesome church, Authentic Life. What a great things we hear about what you're doing through Authentic Life and doing uh, through Jimmy is seems to be like omnip, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. I don't know how he does it. He's everywhere. And you are so energizing this guy and so blessing this community through how he serves. I am thankful for his ministry, thankful for your ministry to our community through him. And we just pray that you bless him and bless this church, Lord. Bless his family. Pray that they would just enjoy, enjoy the work and enjoy you as they go about it. Lord, we uh, turn over these next few minutes. Oh, they, uh, we want to pray also for our educators, Lord, the, uh, as they are stepping into uh, the throes and getting back into school and uh, coursework and curriculums and meeting kids and meeting parents and all those things that are, I'm sure are just exhausting. Lord, we pray that you would give them energy, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them peace as they're taking all these steps and doing all these things in, in, uh, with a whole new crop of people uh, that you would just sustain them. I pray that they would come home to a setting where it's a husband or a wife or a family that's encouraging them and coming alongside them and helping them and restoring them and refitting them for the work uh, that they're about, Lord. I just uh, We want to lift them up this morning and pray that you'd bless them. We love you and we trust you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. I've uh, been thinking on this sermon. Uh, I was thinking about this sermon is so awesome that we could spend months, years in the sermon and then start over and just do it again. The early church, you know, the early church, they didn't have a lot of our New Testament completed, and they probably spent a lot of time on this sermon, this sermon that we're spending our investing these months and years potentially on. Uh, They probably did that very thing. They'd start over at the very beginning and just come right back to it and just saturate themselves in this wonderful sermon. So we're in the beginning, uh, the introductory section called the Beatitudes. We have, uh, in these last couple of Sundays, captured the first couple of being poor in spirit, and uh, for those who mourn, and this morning we're considering the third, uh, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. One of the things that we've been doing to sort of guide us through this, uh, this journey, and at least understanding these Beatitudes, I will first of all say it's been a huge interruption, like a good interruption. I've been wildly interrupted, like in a way that really is kind of exciting, frightening and exciting at the same time. I hope that if you've missed these last couple of Sundays or if you've missed one or the other, I invite you to go listen to them. They will interrupt you in a great way. It was Dietrich Bonhoeffer that said that you must be willing to be interrupted by God. And boy, he's done it already in, this, uh, in these few sermons. Excuse me, let me tend to my cord here. In these few sermons in uh, the Beatitudes already. So, uh, but we've been asking a couple questions kind of help us unpack them. Who are these people is the first question we've been asking. And then what are they promised is the second question. So we're going to follow that same guide on this third beatitude this morning. Who are these people and what are they promised? The meek. I did some study online uh, with some uh, dictionaries, just some online dictionaries, nothing special. Thankfully, these are our only resources. If they were, we'd really have a mess in our hands. Uh, defining meek, humble in spirit or manner, that sounds probably pretty good and sounds like something you might imagine. Here are some other uh, definitions. Uh, It suggests mildness or even cowed submissiveness. Okay, 
I don't, personally, I don't like the sound of that. I hope that you're kind of recoiling at that notion that something we've been called to is actually cowed submissiveness. Thankfully, these, again, these aren't the only resources we have. This one will really trouble you. Evidencing little spirit or courage. Okay, this is something he's presenting as commendable. This is something that he's presenting as the, the, what will be characteristic of your life as you follow me. And it looks, at least from the Webster's Dictionary, that Webster's was actually deficient in spirit and courage. No thank you. That doesn't sound like what he's called us to. So thankfully, we have some other resources. Here's another definition. Overly submissive or compliant. It just sounds like a pushover, really. It sounds like somebody that I wouldn't, wouldn't really want to look up to or follow. And it doesn't sound much like our Lord. So we're going to go to our Lord and find out how he models this. I shared a couple of weeks ago. You can turn to Matthew 11. I shared a couple of weeks ago that in each of these Beatitudes, if you look outside in the Gospels, and most of them are in the book of Matthew, you see places where he's modeled that Beatitude. Okay, or he's, he's fulfilled it in some ways, or he's, he's displayed it or illustrated. So here in Matthew chapter 11, he does that very thing. There are a couple of satellites that we're going to this morning. One's in Matthew 11. We'll, we'll visit briefly, and we'll come back to in our supper. The second one is in Matthew 25, which will be very brief. And we're going to spend the majority of our morning on a third satellite in Psalm 37. Okay, so that's a map for the morning. Okay. First of all, Matthew chapter 11, Matthew 21, and then Psalm 37. But in these first two uh, satellites, in Matthew 11 and Matthew 21, we're really just looking for windows into how our Lord would define this thing, meekness. We're kind of trying to get some texture and some contours of what this, this thing, this concept is, meekness, because we have so much more to work with in Webster's Dictionary. So we can go to actual places where the Lord modeled it and showed us what it meant. So here's the first of those two. Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor. The NAS says weary. All who are weary. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. That's the key word. That it's translated there as gentle is the exact word that's used over in the Beatitudes. I don't know why they're translated differently. as the word meek. Okay, so we've already gathered a little synonym there, gentle. That's a good synonym, and that's what our translators used right there. I am gentle, i.e. meek, and lowly, the synonym for lowly there is gentle, ironically. I don't know why in the world they went, they went that direction in the translation, but it's gentle in heart and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I'm going to read it again because I want us to sort of get the, the, the flavor of what's being communicated here. Instead of defining a word, we're going to look at what it looks like and how that person is moving. Okay, in this case, our Lord. Come to me, all who, who labor, are weary, are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, meek. I am humble and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, so we've gathered up a synonym, the word gentle, which is a good one. But there's some things that we can add to this that help us see. We could add in some ways almost a synonym, lowly and humble in heart. Okay, that's the phrase that comes right after gentle. Lowly and humble in heart. Okay, so he says, this is what I am. So look at what, how, what he's actually doing in this little vignette here, in this little statement. First of all, he is approachable. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. He is approachable. He is available. He is inviting. And he's even, we could add to that, helpful. Because as he's inviting all these, uh, you see this invitation, you see this approachability, you see this availability, you also see this real potency where he actually says, I'm actually going to give you some help. So right off the bat, we have a synonym for meek, which is gentle. And then we have some texture here, too, where we see someone who is meek and gentle moving in a way that's approachable, moving in a way that's available, moving in a way that's inviting, and in a way that we can see in our Lord here is helpful. Now turn to Matthew chapter 21. This is our next little window into the Word. The Word is only used three or four times in the rest of our New Testament, and we're looking at three of those times this morning. Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. I'll give you a minute to turn there. 
Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble. There it is. Same exact word in the Beatitudes. Same exact word in Matthew chapter 11 that's translated um, as gentle. Here it's translated humble. And mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a beast of burden. Okay, so we have a couple synonyms that we can gather up. First of all, there's meek as our center word, the centerpiece word that we're dealing with this morning. From Matthew chapter 11, we add in gentle as a synonym. Okay, that's our translator translated the same word a different way as gentle. And here in Matthew 21, they translate the same word a different way as humble. So those are three synonyms for this thing. We're trying to make sense of who these people are. We can say right off the bat, they're meek, they're gentle, and they're humble. And we see it embodied here in the way our Lord is moving as instead of looking for a stallion, which is what you would think, right, or a war horse, Hey, I'm about to make my triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Can you go find a war horse for me? Maybe a herd of war horses might be more fitting. Maybe a parade might be more fitting. No, instead he says, go find a donkey. And in in fact, beyond that, go find the donkey's colt. That's what I'll ride with my feet and toes dragging the ground into Jerusalem. That'll be my triumphal entry. Now, we can add in some texture and some contours here as we see this meek and this mild and this gentle and this lowly of of heart, lowly of spirit being called Christ moving in a way that's not pretentious. And I hope it's a room full of people here that agree that, boy, it would be fitting if he rode into Jerusalem on a war horse. Man, he is the king of kings and lord of lords. He is the one in whom all things are held together. He is one who uh, everything that we understand as being created was created through him. He says, go on ahead and find me a donkey and a donkey's colt because I'm going to ride the colt into Jerusalem on my triumphal entry. Not pretentious. He is unexpectedly low. He's surprisingly low given his true nature and identity. Man, our Lord... One of the things that I think is interesting, too, is just a few verses later, you can look across the page if you're there in Matthew chapter 21, just in case someone does want to land on uh, that meekness means mild or cowed submissiveness or overly submissive and compliant. They can look across the page where in verse 12, he goes into the temple and like a boss cleanses that joker. It doesn't mean a pushover. It doesn't mean a Nancy boy. It doesn't mean a weak person here. This is a strong, meek, lowly Savior that we're looking at this morning. Strong. Some of the things that we've gathered up this morning, though, is we see him. He's meek. He's humble. He's gentle. He's helpful to the burdened. He's approachable. He's lowly, even unexpectedly low and surprisingly low. So here's what I was dealing with as I was studying and preparing for this this week. Trying to understand really all the Beatitudes, but really trying to hone in on this one. Is this something that we get at conversion? I was kind of trying to envision it almost being like uh, The Matrix. Y'all, I know a lot of y'all have watched The Matrix. I might, some of y'all younger people may not even watched it yet. You're like, I don't even know what The Matrix is. The Matrix was awesome. Okay, the Matrix is sat down in this chair. Once you figured out the Matrix, that there was something going on behind this thing, that this was all a sham, and there's this real thing back here. You sit down in this chair, and you get this thing plugged into you, and you can get all kind of stuff. You can get Kung Fu. Man, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? I would want calligraphy. That's what I would want. <laughs> I think that's so cool when people can write really pretty because my handwriting is really bad. But just think about that. Like when you become a Christian at conversion, if you sit down in this imaginary chair and you have this thing plugged in the back of your head and you walk away, okay, now you're meek. Is that the way it works? Or is there something else going on here? Is there something that, 
God uses in the life of the believer as we're following Christ to actually meek or make us meek, to foster meekness, to foster gentleness, and to foster and create a humility in us. Let's go to Psalm chapter 37 and see if we can find out. Psalm 37 is just so cool, and we're going to do something a little bit different this morning, a little bit unique. It might feel a little bit like a Bible study, and that's okay. I think that's really going to be kind of cool. I'll give you a little context for Psalm 37, just so you understand why I'm going to Psalm 37. I'm going to Psalm 37 because the Lord who preached this sermon 2,000 years ago went to Psalm 37. It was his satellite for this, this beatitude in particular. Let me show you where and how. In verse 11, if you've gotten there yet, just look over there at Psalm 37, verse 11. The meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. This is the reference for the beatitude. So y'all know how, I, oftentimes in preaching, we say, okay, we're going to deal with this satellite. We're going to expose this scripture with this scripture. That's exactly what our Lord did 2,000 years ago in the Sermon on the Mount. There's a name for it. It's called analogy of faith. It's a wonderful way to study your Bible, to interpret scripture with scripture. So in preaching this beatitude about what it means to be meek and that you're going to inherit the earth, he references Psalm 37. So Psalm 37 just blows this thing open for us. Okay, we've got some contours, we've got some texture here as we look at some other little places where Jesus modeled it. But we can answer, I think we can ask and answer the question of where does it come from as we study here Psalm 37. So I want you to indulge me in these next few minutes. I'm going to do something. Um, I'm going to read the entire psalm. It's not a really long psalm. It's not like 119. We're not going to be here till like 1 p.m. or something. It's not Psalm 23, really short. It's kind of a midland. Okay, and you're going to require that you pay attention. But I actually have a task for you that I think will help you kind of engage. Okay, there are two groups of people in this Psalm 37. There are the people that are cut off, the evildoers, the wicked. Okay, and they are the meek who will inherit the land. Two groups of people in this Psalm. And what I want you to do is sort of make a list of each of these people and what they're doing. So something to kind of help you as, you as you do that. And this will require maybe a notebook or a, if you have your bulletin, there's a little place there where you can take some notes and you can make a little list of things that you're seeing as I read that are true of the wicked, the ones that are cut off, and that are true of the meek who will inherit the land. Okay, and this little exercise I think is going to bring out where this thing in our lives, meekness, humility, and gentleness comes from. Okay, so indulge me these next few minutes as, we, as, I, as I read through this and we do a little work here. I'm going to read all the way through it, and then actually Jake is going to help me at the back with populating a living list right in front of us. Okay, so Jake is going to be taking notes on his computer right up here where you can see it. Okay, so we're going to, we're going to do some work here. It's going to be kind of cool. All right, y'all ready for this? All right, listen, here we go. Psalm 37. A psalm of David. This is an instructive wisdom psalm, to give you a little bit of context. An instructive wisdom psalm. There's something to be learned here for the people of God. All right, so watch your two people here. And you can key off the verbs. The verbs are helpful. If you're kind of wondering who, what belongs to what, look at the verbs. Those are kind of a good tell, okay? Fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass. And wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he'll not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth in him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. 
The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back, and the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice and he will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he's brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I've seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. Mark the blameless and behold the upright, for there's a future for the man of peace, but transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Okay, two groups of people. We're going to deal with those that will be cut off and the evildoers first. Now, I realize some of y'all, this is your first reading of this passage maybe ever. Um, Those of you who've read for your Bibles, there's probably been an occasion Maybe a few of you have studied Psalm 37 before. Maybe a few of you actually prepared for Sunday morning when my little prep for Sunday email. I invite you to do that week in, week out. I do that for good purpose. And if you you took some time preparing for this question, then you probably already have a little list populated here, and you're like poised and ready. If you didn't, we're going to take our time and work through it. And you're going to see the benefit of why we're taking the time to do this, I think, as it unfolds. Okay, so Jake, stick with me if you can. Those who shall be cut off, the evildoers. Let's populate a list of some things that we're seeing that belong to those who will be cut off and the evildoers. Indulge me in this. I think you'll understand where this thing is going here in a moment and what it has to do with that beatitude. Okay, first of all, in verses 1 and 2, fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. I think we can just point off right point out right out the bat that these evildoers, these wrongdoers, are doing what they do, and they're doing it well. They're doing it so well, in fact, that they're characterized as green grass. Because eventually they're going to fade. Eventually it's going to wither like the green herb. But as for now, it's green. There are few references in this psalm to the wicked and the evildoer, the one who will be cut off as being green and flourishing for the moment. There was another that I just caught reading through it in verse 20. The wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. Man, beautiful flowing. The wicked, the ones who will be cut off, the evildoers, they're like green grass for the moment. They're like the pastures. There's also the passage in verse 35, this wicked. I've seen this wicked, this ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree. These guys are succeeding. Man, that's troubling, isn't it? 
You know people like that? You know people that aren't honest. You know these people that don't have God's best in mind, that aren't following him, that aren't following his ways, and yet everything seems to be going their way. There's green grass where they live. Man, that's troubling. This is what this teaching psalm is going to. It's taking them right off the bat to this green evildoer. In verse 7, there's an implied thing that we can draw from there in verse 7. Be still before the Lord. This is the charge for the, the meek. Be still for the, before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil. They're carrying out evil devices and prospering. I had to pick up uh, Christy and Daniel at the airport last night late. Not super late. We're driving home about 10, something like that. We're driving between Rockwall and Greenville. And uh, there's more traffic out at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night than I realized. It's crazy. Where's everybody going? That's what my grandmother would ask. Where's everybody going? I, try to, I always try to answer the question. I didn't realize it was just a statement. We were driving from, from Rockwall between here and to here, and there's a guy in the left lane, and he's, man, he's comfortable over there. Man, I'm thinking, he's the wicked. He's going to be cut off. <laughs> His grass was green. He's just chilling, man. And there are people that are like, when they get the chance, they're racing around him. And, and every time I do that, man, I, I feel like I need to educate people and kind of help them, you know. I, kind of, I feel like it's one of my gifts, you know, spiritual gifts, you know, to help people on the highway with a left lane issue. I'm not ugly about it. I'm really not. So I kind of came up behind him, kind of flashed my lights a couple times. Brights, you know, not like on and off, but brights, you know. I don't have like a siren. I didn't flash a siren at him or anything crazy. It's just a little, you know, boop, boop. And um, so he, he was just, he didn't, he didn't, it didn't phase him at all. So eventually I came around him, and I always want to look at these people. I mean, inside, kids, I really don't think this for long, but inside I'm thinking, I want to see what somebody stupid looks like. That's confession. That's not ideal, all right? I'm being honest because then I start praying for him immediately and praying for myself. But I'm thinking, man, what does somebody that's completely oblivious look like? And this guy was scowling at me. In fact, as I came around him, he kind of pulled over. Y'all don't even know this. He kind of pulled over like he was going to hit me, like it made him mad. And I thought, man, and, but I watched him in the rearview mirror. He kept doing that to everybody else. He obviously knew what I was saying to him, but he just like Sam Cobra, man, he's just mean. I mean, I don't know the guy, but I just had the impression this guy's just wicked, and he's just in green grass there. Where's the police when you need them? Do they ever write tickets for that? Man, they should. Gracious. <laughs> this guy was carrying out evil devices and prospering, and man. There was an encouragement for me later on that I immediately made a beeline to. That we'll see this here in a moment. Oh, it's it coming up next here in verses 8 and 9. The charge for the weak, or excuse me, for the meek, not the weak, the meek and the, the, the ones who will inherit the land is in verse 8 and 9. We'll come to that list in a moment, but we can kind of work backwards here because it says refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Right? Like, ugh. There's the implication there that the evil and the wrongdoing are actually doing things here that provoke what in a lot of cases would result in anger and wrath. Okay, man, they're carrying out evil devices. They're green grass. They're moving in a way that would provoke potentially anger and wrath. Verse 10, here's another one we can add to this list. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more, though you look carefully at his place. He'll not be there. What's implied there is they have a place. It's green. Man, if you're the oppressed of ancient Israel, this you've got to connect to this. Just, just play along with me for a minute. Imagine that. You've got a, they've got a place, and it's not your place. They seem to be flourishing. It seems to be going their way. It seems to be working out for them. And then in verse 11, you want to see what that place is? It's the verse I read that introducing us into this that actually came from the Beatitude. is blessed are the meek, or, but the meek shall inherit the land. And delight themselves in abundant peace. What's the implication there? Is you don't possess, you don't currently possess it. 
It's possessed by those who will be cut off. It's possessed wrongly, but it's possessed, owned by those who are evil and wrongdoing. Verse 12, we could add to the list. We've got, so far, we've got that they are green grass. We've got their green laurels, their green pastures. We've got their carrying out evil devices and prospering. We're to refrain from anger and wrath because they're provoking it. They're in the place that really is for you. And that's where this next verse comes out is that that's the inheritance that's for you. They're actually currently possessing it. We could add to that in verse 12. Let's look at what verse 12 tells us about the wicked. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. And these guys are on the offensive. These guys are agents of harm. The wicked plot against the righteous. Add to this verse 14. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, a.k.a. the meek, to slay those whose way is upright. We can add to the list. They draw swords and Ben Bowes in verse 16. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of the wicked. Let's add to the list. They have an abundance. Man, this is a troubling, troubling list. Look all the way over at verse 32. We'll add one more to the cutoff list. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. These guys are aggressive in this psalm. These two groups, man, just take it in. Just see this image. And remember, too, this is Jesus' psalm. This is his satellite for his sermon. Okay, it's going to open up for us here in a moment. Let's look at our list, the meek's list. The meek, on the other hand, we're going to see some synonyms, I think, here for God's people. A lot more textures are going to come into focus here in these next few minutes. So let's just gather them up. Let's make the list for the meek, for those who will inherit the land. Look at verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. So just right at the top of the list, let's just say trust in the Lord. The meek, despite these circumstances, despite that everything's green for everyone else except them, they are trusting in the Lord. Let's add in verse 4. They delight themselves in the Lord. Let's look at verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. So we can add to the list, trusting in the Lord, delighting in the Lord, committing their way to the Lord. These are the verbs belonging to the meek. Look at verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Man, let's just add to the list there, waiting patiently for him. The rest of that verse says to fret not yourselves over the one who prospers in his way. We could add not fretting. So the meek are trusting the Lord. They're delighting in the Lord. They're committing their way to the Lord. They're waiting patiently for him. And they're not fretting. And then in verse 8, we've already gotten acquainted with this already. They're refraining from anger and wrath. And then we look all the way over to verse 30. Let's grab a couple in verse 30 and one in verse 31. There are plenty more in there. We're just condensing the list a little bit. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. We can add that he's uttering wisdom, that he's speaking justice, and he's cherishing the law of God. Now here's why I think this psalm really opens this up for us. Here's what you may not have realized yet, and I hope you do in these next few minutes, that you can just really connect to this and really enjoy this, that all the things that the meek are, all the verbs that we gathered up here, we're going to use them a few minutes or just a few times over the next few minutes, the trusting in the Lord, delighting in the Lord, committing their way to the Lord, waiting patiently for him, not fretting, refraining from anger and wrath, uttering wisdom, speaking justice, cherishing the law of God, all these things, the, the verbs of the people of God, the meek, all those things that they do are destroyed discernible only in the context of the wicked and what they do. They're discernible only in the context of the wicked and what they do. Without provocation, what is refraining? Without provocation, without someone pushing it, 
What does it even mean to refrain? What are you refraining from? Without lack, what is waiting? Without not having something, what even is waiting? All these verbs for the people of God, all these verbs of meekness are only discernible in the context of what the evil and the wicked do. Here's what really blew this thing open for me. It's in the dark forest. That's what I'm envisioning. The dark forest of inequity, injustice, injury, attack, lack that the meek trust, delight, commit their ways, wait patiently, fret not, and refrain. It's only in the dark forest that those things are even movable, doable. Man, this thing just really blew this open for me because what I realized is, wait a second, apart from all these things, the inequity, the injustice, the injury, the attack, the lack, all those things that the evildoers are doing here, there's no place to even develop meekness. There's no black forest for it to even play out. It's indiscernible. It doesn't even exist apart from some oppression. These guys, here's what really helped me sort of come into, this is what came into focus for me. These Psalm 37 people, the meek here, they are literally in their context through inequity, injustice, injury, attack, and lack, they are literally humiliated. They are literally meekified. I'm making up some words here because they just work. They are gentled through those circumstances. Apart from those circumstances, they never discover it. Apart from those circumstances, they wouldn't find those places. For it's in those places where they are humiliated, they are meekified, they are gentled in those circumstances where they realize that's all I have is the Lord. The phrase that I've used before in my mind, that's what I tell myself, what I've, what I've thought is, when you run out, when you run out of you, where you leave off and God picks up, where he was always there all along, but where you realize, I've completely run out here. I've completely been humiliated in this, this circumstance. I've completely been gentled in this circumstances. I've completely been meekified through these circumstances that are completely beyond me. Meekness is grown and developed and practiced in the dark forest of adversity. Without the adversity, you'll never find it. You have no place to exercise those verbs. So retranslating this passage in a way that sort of fits the context here, is flourishing are the humiliated because, there's, because they will inherit the earth. Flourishing are the humiliated for they will inherit the earth. I wonder if you have any of these circumstances like this. If you've ever experienced some circumstances that have meekified you or humiliated you or gentled you and you realize what God was doing in that. It doesn't have to be at the hands of evil and wicked men. This Psalm 37 just brings it in real stark contrast. It's like a caricature of the experience I'm talking about. A real exaggerated version of black and white. Sam Cobra over here. Johnny West over here. If you know your cowboy characters. It doesn't have to be at the hands of evil men. It can be at the terrible hands of circumstance. We could sometimes say the terrible hands of even providence. It could be a health issue. You know, for Paul, the Lord gave him a thorn in his flesh. And it's divinely ambiguous. We don't know what it was. Some people believe that it was a... Uh, an eye issue. There are places in the letters where he refers to something that sounded, kind of sounds unsightly, like he may have had some sort of thing that was like hard to look at with his eyes, like some sort of drainage or something maybe. They're presuming. Some people think that maybe he was visually impaired because he talks about writing with big scrawling hands or scrawling script. 
whatever it was, it was the Lord God gave him that as a gift to humble him so that he could actually be useful for something. To keep him in a place of usefulness, to keep him in a place of humility, he was meekified through, in that case, some sort of health thing. I think it's beautifully ambiguous because insert health issue. Crohn's, eating disorders, cancer, blindness. What else can we insert in there? We can insert anything that is humiliating. The Lord uses that to do something there, to take you to the dark forest of adversity where you develop something there called humility where you develop in that dark forest something that is beautiful, gentleness and meekness. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it could be that you're at the mercy of a besetting sin that is humiliating you into a deep dependence on him. You realize besetting sins can actually do that? That we actually have a God that can use this thing that you're failing at to actually draw you into his presence, to teach you to depend on him? John Owen wrote a book years and years ago. He's a Puritan, wrote a, wrote a book, uh, Overcoming Sin. And uh, John Piper was commenting on something that John Owen brought out in there that really has stuck with me over the years. John Owen commented, he said, God ordains to leave a lust with me, as in not free me from this besetting sin yet, until I become the sort of warrior who will still seek his, his aid when the victory's won. You realize we have that kind of God that can actually use something that you're failing at to draw you into his presence by humiliating you into needing him and depending on him and doing all the things, the verbs that we gathered up from Psalm 37 that are true of the meek, trusting in him, delighting in him, committing their way to him, waiting patiently for him, not fretting, refraining from anger and wrath, uttering wisdom, justice, and cherishing the law of God, that he could use something even as terrible as a besetting sin. Man, that shouldn't be a place to be, get comfortable with there, but this should be a place to realize God can even do something wonderful with something that you are losing at by drawing you into his presence. It may not be a besetting sin. It might be a revealed sin. Maybe it's a sin that comes to light and is just humiliating. And God can use that in a way to draw you into his presence so that you can be humbled, meekified, and gentled. Maybe it's um, loss of a job. That's humiliating. I've not lost a job, but I know people who have. And I've watched what their lives have been like in the aftermath. Marriage is strained. Man, sense of purpose and meaning and identity damaged. Maybe it's in that circumstance that the Lord is using that to humble you, to meekify you, to gentle you. This is one that's familiar to some. How about a failed marriage? I'll tell you right now, some of the most meek and gentle and humble people that I know are people that have gone through a divorce. In some cases, more than one. And it's taught them to depend on the Lord. There's a softness in them that you know came from that terrible experience where they had to do all of the above. Trust the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Commit their way to the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Not fret. Refrain from anger and wrath. Utter justice. Utter wisdom. And cherish the law of God. Man, God did something even with something as heartbreaking as divorce. It doesn't have to be at the hands of evil and wicked men. It can be the terrible hands of circumstance. Any circumstance that draws you downward, destroying your pride, kryptonite, what is it? Crypto, titanium, man, something, whatever it is, our pride is strong. And it takes humiliation to break it, doesn't it? What a great God that does that. Any circumstance that draws you downward, destroying your pride, replacing it with meekness, humility, lowliness, gentleness, dependence, trusting in him, delighting in him, waiting on him, and not fretting. 
Man, the meek are made so through circumstances beyond them when all they have is Lord. If you follow Christ, people, I want to just encourage you with this notion. If you follow Christ, if you follow him wherever he leads you, maybe it's into some circumstance, maybe he leads you to Afghanistan, maybe he leads you into ministry, maybe he leads you into marriage, maybe he leads you into a relationship, wherever he leads you, maybe he leads you to share with a coworker to share Christ, whatever he's leading you into. If you follow Christ wherever he leads you and if you take him into your circumstances, that's what it means to walk with Christ. Taking him into your circumstances, you will experience times and circumstances and seasons where you run out of you. That's a guarantee. Where you run out of you. And all you have is him in the dark forest. And it's there in those circumstances that he'll develop meekness. Trusting in him. Depending on him. Delighting in him. Committing your way to him. Waiting patiently for him. Not fretting. Refraining from anger. Uttering wisdom. Speaking justice. And cherishing the law of God. The first part of that question is this is who these people are. The second part of that question will take about two minutes on. This is what's promised to them. What's promised to them, these meekified, these humiliated, these gentle ones are flourishing because theirs is the earth. The image here is the promise of a future inheritance. That reference in Psalm 37 is speaking of the land, the promised land. In our case, it's speaking of the new heavens and the new earth that is to be ours eventually. Really synonymous in many ways with the kingdom completely fully come. That's where we'll be able to call our own forever. And that place will be free of decay. It'll be free of inequity. It'll be free of injustice. It'll be free of dark forests. Eventually, he will reconcile all the inequities, all the injustices, and he will level those forests. Man, that's what's promised to the meek. Let's enjoy that together. Let me pray. God, we are thankful for this window into Psalm 37, this window into the meaning of meekness. Lord, we are thankful that you use some of the most excruciating circumstances to bring us into a place of deep and thorough and hearty dependence on you. Lord, we are thankful for those circumstances in light of that. We trust you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.